Stat Media Group, delivering logistics news since 1986. This is Cargo Masterminds from Stat Media Group. It's Monday and it's time to catch up with our new Cargo Mastermind. Hello and welcome to Cargo Masterminds. My name is Reggie John. Freight and logistic companies have always been driven by data in the way they track deliveries, optimize routes, and more. At different touch points in the movement of shipment from origin to destination, shippers, carriers, freight forwarders, and other logistic service providers, including regulators, collect a great deal of data. Like it or not, even today, much of this is done manual, and even in cases where it is digitalized, it is in silos, and there isn't a seamless flow of information from end to end across the supply chain. But despite this data foundation, many have been slow to digitize. Air cargo is one segment of the logistic industry for whom this digital imperative and the opportunity that comes with it is becoming more and more urgent. In the past 15 months of the pandemic, the air cargo industry has opened itself a bit more aggressively to digitalize its processes. Stakeholders in the industry are making strategic decisions to invest in deploying advanced technology solutions to streamline processes and increase revenues. They are opening up to collaborate to make air cargo industry on par with its peers when it comes to digital initiatives and doing business in the digital age. My guest today is someone who has more than two decades of experience in leading transformational projects at transport and logistic companies and helps them achieve their true potential. He has led teams to build easy to use digital platforms for the cargo division of some of the world's leading airlines that include American Airlines, where decades old legacy systems were replaced with modern digital platforms that seamlessly integrated and accelerated customer centricity with revenue management and growth. It's my pleasure to welcome Ashok Brajan, Senior Vice President and Global Head of Cargo and Logistics Solutions at IBS Software. IBS Software is a leading software as a solutions or SaaS solutions provider to the transport industry globally. Its iCargo management platform solution covers key air cargo business functions end-to-end -end and have advanced digital tools for e-freight. iCargo platform helps customers to collaborate seamlessly with their suppliers and partners to deliver as promised. In this conversation, Ashok will help us take a look into the future of air cargo industry as it rapidly transforms itself to meet the challenges of the digital world of trade and commerce. Ashok, Thank welcome yeah. to Cargo Masterminds. Thank you, Reggie. Thank you for that wonderful introduction and uh, uh, absolutely delighted to be on this uh, platform along with you. Thank you, Reggie. Ashok, uh, it's been uh, more than 15 months into the pandemic uh, and the world uh, being through several rounds and varying intensities of lockdowns and work from home, forcing people and organization to completely go digital uh, more vigorously. Uh, tell us how good were the last 15 months for IBS software? Uh, like Reggie, you introduced saying that I had, I had two decades of experience in this space. Uh, but I think you needed a century of experience to be prepared for something like this. Uh, I don't think any of us were ready or knew what to, what, how to deal with this. Uh, and, and it was the same with us at IBS as well, because uh, we entered this in last March uh, 
a bit anxious about what to expect. Uh, if you look at our portfolio, we're almost like an airline. We have everything from passenger services to loyalty, to crew, to ops, to cargo. So therefore, I think our anxiousness was very similar to that of an airline. Uh, but I think in a couple of months after that, I think things started to sort of stabilize. And we knew parts like cargo and loyalty were uh, standing up the airline. Uh, and also, we started to realize the strength of our own offerings to customers because they were lifeline solutions. And also, we saw a bit of shift that was that was uh, that was that was around saying digital probably is the way is is the bus out of this crisis. So all of that actually sort of helped us redefine ourselves and position ourselves much better. We've uh, looking at uh, looking at the nature of the crisis. I think uh, 15 months down, I would say we've done uh, reasonably well. And and I think and as an organization as well, I think we we were not so much of a remote working organization. But I think like a flip of a switch, we suddenly went, everybody, all 3,000 odd employees went to start to work from home. And thankfully, I think uh, it worked out very, very well. We didn't have a single disruption to any of our customers. Uh, and, and people sort of took to it like fish to water. So I think um, despite all of the challenges, it's been an interesting year. And, uh, and I, looking back at it, I think uh, most of us in the company would feel pretty proud of what, what's, what we've achieved in the last 15 months. Excellent, Ashok. Uh, uh, let's come to your iCargo management platform. Uh, what is new and uh, have you been adding new airline customers recently and how have you uh, strengthened your relationship with existing customers, uh, airline customers in the last 15 months? Uh, a very tough time indeed for airlines. It has been uh, for the airlines as such. And I think uh, I think all of us would be, uh, would, have, would be proud to have been associated with one part of the airline, which is helping keep the airline afloat, which is on cargo. And which has also meant that it's been similar for us as a cargo business as well. Uh, we've, uh, in the last 15 months, we've added at least uh, five new logos onto, onto our customer base. Uh, uh, unfortunately, we've been able to announce only one yet. And hopefully in the next coming months, uh, we would be making a few more announcements of some very, very interesting players uh, joining the iCargo family. Uh, we last year we did announce Singapore Airlines coming on board, uh, so we've had a few others as well. So it's been it's been good. Uh, it's 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 also an indication of how seriously the airlines are taking digitization of cargo. And 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 you talked about I think the more important thing was you talked about our relationships with uh, existing customers. Uh, I think as as in life. Uh, uh, the true test of relationship comes when you have these tough times like this. And, and for us also, it's been a bit like that. Uh, when this crisis hit, I think we set apart everything else. We had two, three things in mind. We said we will have to keep our customers running. These are very important times for the world as well. So therefore, we made sure that we put all of our infrastructure in place so that there are no disruptions to, to any of our customers' freight operations. Uh, things were changing. We would have to help our customers adapt as well. Uh, like a carrier, for example, who had, who had never flown a freighter for the last 30 years was suddenly flying 1,000 freighter flights uh, and therefore business models were changing. And therefore we, would have, we had also sort of step up to, to sort of help customers adapt this process. And I, and, and I think uh, lay, and as time passed on as well, uh, many of our customers therefore also then started to use this time to 
to run a lot of digital initiatives, uh, whether it was uh, whether it was automation in warehouses or connecting onto digital channels. So we've been we've been very busy with all of our customers. One in making sure their business runs. The other is preparing themselves for the world past this crisis. So I think it's been a very busy time and and pretty interesting as well. You know, Ashok, uh, of the many many trends that we have seen in the in the last fifteen months, I think. Uh, the amount of digitalization, digital transformation that happened uh, in the last 15 months, probably in the normal circumstances would have taken about uh, 10 years. Uh, uh, one of the important trends that we have seen is the supply chain visibility. And I say this because we also have seen the, the millions of dollars getting invested into logistic technology companies, which provides supply chain visibility using artificial intelligence, machine learning, and big data and deep data. What is your reading of this trend and what is the future looking like for logistic tech startups, particularly those companies which are actively working with, um, with air freight as a mode of transport? Uh, in fact, it doesn't really matter what the mode of transport, I think these are technology solutions company that can provide uh, respective of what mode of transport is. Uh, so what is your reading of this and uh, what does the future look like for the air freight industry? I think, um, uh, I think if it's an it's a space I've watched very closely for a very long time. Actually, the uh, the log uh, the logistic tech industry, uh, and I think even pre-pandemic, uh, the the sector was starting to warm up. Uh, if you look at how hot the logistic tech industry is today, it's almost like how the fintech industry was a few years ago. And I think uh, the relevance comes from uh, from the fact that then you talked really about visibility, Reggie. Imagine having having uh, shipping something on Amazon, and you've no clue whether it will come this week, next week, uh, next month. You uh, even if it is delayed, the fact that you know what it is is very important to you. So that customer pressure makes sure yeah, makes drives a lot of this to happen. And 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 if you look at it, the logistics industry, Reggie, is is part of the larger supply chain. And there have, there have been a few macro trends in, in the supply chain as well, uh, something called supply chain as a service. Uh, and, and, uh, and if you looked at uh, this, this happened many years ago in the tech space, where uh, software as a service became a model of operation, public cloud became a model of operation. And a lot of uh, supply chain providers, manufacturers now are wanting to sort of take this off. And, and, and that is where you'll see, a, we've seen a lot of tech solutions coming in because there's a need to outsource a lot of this. And you'll see that with also with things like supply chain control towers that are there. So these are things that are making our, uh, our, our hot trends, which makes sure that the tech industry which is, is, is ready to support something like this. Uh, Ashok, since you mentioned about software as a service, and I think today um, also, as individuals, as individual customers, we are okay with having our information, all our uh, digital identity on the on the public cloud, irrespective of whether whoever provides that cloud. And I think the the B two B community also is getting used to that. Um, what is the kind of future for enterprise solutions and the companies in the transportation logistics interested in buying and or partnering with partnering with plug and play solutions uh, uh, where it is it's the Capital expenditure is uh, is is not really intensive. Easy to use, cloud-based uh, with robust API integration techniques. Is that going to be the future for air freight industry or logistic industry? 
uh, and Raji, I think you rightly pointed out to the right analogy. Uh, because uh, uh, a decade ago, if you want to run a, da uh, a data center of your own, uh, you had to be, you had to be, you had to have deep pockets, meaning uh, put up an infrastructure, make sure it's secure, you know, the lines are right. So it was never something that was accessible to anybody. What public cloud did was completely change that on. Because today you and me can decide to put up a, uh, put up a portal and just ask, uh, just log on to Amazon Web Services, uh, say what options you want, and they'll charge you just for what you're using. What that has done is it has completely democratized this thing. So the access to this is not limited to your, how deep your pockets are. It is very similar on the supply chain industry. So you, you, it is not necessary that you have to have huge infrastructure and capital to make sure that you have great end-to-end -end supply chains. And that is what I earlier referred to as supply chain as a service. So therefore a small provider should be able to able to do that. And for that technology is going to be the backbone to do it. And all of these technology providers are, are providing this as software as a service. And therefore it's, the, it's reducing the entry barrier that's driving a lot of this. And, and, and I think this is happening across spheres. And, I, and, I, and I'm sure in the next five, six years, we will see to what, what happened to the SaaS industry or the public cloud industry happen to the supply chain industry. And it'll include, and it'll be, and it'll be not that you have one big behemoth who will provide all of the services. It will come down to people who will provide niche services and who can plug into an ecosystem and we can somebody can sort of string everything together and provide a service to somebody else. So there, it'll be. A, I think what the ecosystem will always be a combination of the two. Uh, the vertically integrated big people like DHL, FedEx will continue to operate. They will, uh, uh, but they will not. But there will also be similar providers who are a, who are a best of breed who can be strung together and can also provide a similar service. So we will sort of get into some sort of an heterogeneous environment like this is, is my take. You know, Ashok, in the, in the past, we have had discussion and one of the, one of the concerns or one of the points that you raised is about, uh, spoken about islands of innovation, that it's not that air freight industry is not open to innovation. You find excellent case studies of uh, innovation in the air freight and the logistic industry, but there seems to be these are islands of innovation. So one of the things that is happening right now is the ability of some of these players to kind of cooperate, part, do partnership. And I, I would want you to kind of talk about this partnership or the ability to cooperate and collaborate in the context of uh, your partnerships with Cargo AI, Cargo One, Web Cargo by Freighters. Uh, they, they appear to be your competitors, but then you are willing to uh, collaborate with them for the greater good of the industry. At the same time, there is enough for every every player in the industry. Uh, it is true, Rajiv. I think uh, uh, while we sort of uh, beat ourselves up on, on not collaborating, I think as with life, everything is in shades of gray in here as well. It's not, I think even if you look at the ecosystem today, it's not one extreme or the other that nobody talks to each other or everybody is seamlessly integrating with each other. I think where it is today is, is somewhere in between. And, but we are seeing not just with uh, players like us, it's happening within the, within, within the core stakeholders in the industry that there is far greater collaboration that's happening. What we've been trying uh, with partners like Cargo One and Cargo AI is to say, uh, we believe that coming together we can offer greater value to the uh, to our customers than something that we can provide individually. 
and therefore uh, therefore the view that we have is coming together not does not sort of reduce what we reduce our share but increases the bigger the pie in its own so therefore and and also increases the rate of adoption for us coming together with a digital sales channel makes the adoption of the digital sales channel or our platform that much more an easier decision for the customer than if we were to go together and the customer is worried how will i wire these guys up so therefore i think coming together is not i don't see this as one person sacrificing something but it is really that the the overall value is going up and there's more in it for each one of us by coming together than playing it separately so and, and i think like i've talked in the past uh, the last 15 months we've spoken to more partners and more uh, more more for partnerships than to prospects and customers and so that's the importance we we place on this and we've seen very similar response from everybody else and i i'm and i'm sure this is going to uh, this is going to percolate into all of these areas because i think that is the way forward because the end customer is looking for seamless experience and we are stakeholders who are in silos so end of the day the customer will end up they push ourselves to collaborate if we don't do it ourselves okay let me come to the in the global setting global standards and one of your uh, contrarian view is that uh, you can't really set global standards you need to start doing by your own yourself uh, uh, how do you how do you look at in terms of uh, let's let's bring in the context of iata one record uh, you have industry bodies uh, trying to get global standards and digitalization this product service is built on on actionable data inside open apis logistic ecosystems and customer collaboration will thrive that's that's a kind of belief or a conviction that uh, industry bodies or people have uh, what do you make of uh, setting global standards uh, is that something that is really going forward as uh, as we imagine <laughs> like reji you said uh, i raised this contrarian opinion at a lot of these uh, platforms i don't find too much of support but i still sort of hold on to that the fact is that uh, uh, standards have to evolve along with innovation meaning yeah, for us as providers or anybody waiting for standards to do, to carry out an innovation in my honest opinion is a cop out meaning you are you're looking for an excuse not to do because the standards are not there and the fact is that my view is that standards are required it's almost like saying uh, reji that uh, I, i let a kid speak only once he can read shakespeare meaning that's not where we have got to be meaning the the point is you 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 sort of evolve through this thing you need standards because the standards are required to collaborate because it's like you can't speak to each other in two different languages so that's not possible but then you need a common language a common means to interact but that has to evolve uh, and to know, uh, setting global standards almost assumes that you know everything up front which is not true i think therefore uh, our view and something that we have pushed uh, at several forums is also we have we've sort of a triple a philosophy to that which we say is adopt adapt and advance you adopt a this thing you adapt both the standards and yourselves and try and advance those standards and then go through the circles again and again so therefore we will have to standards and innovation have to evolve together and iata one record also i look at it from from that lens sort of iata one record is a great framework which addresses the fact that there is disconnect in information 
And I think we don't, if you look at it as the tool itself or the end itself, I think in, in a sense, it will have the fate that Cargo IP or Cargo 2000 had because Cargo 2000 ended up looking like the standard operating procedure which somebody had to comply to because this is not a compliance matter. This is a matter for engagement interaction. And for that, you, uh, IATA One Record is absolutely the right direction because I think, and it will require all of us as, and, and the success or failure of, of IATA One Record will not be that of IATA, but of stakeholders like ourselves, uh, users who will actually come to, come to use this and make use of IATA One Record. End of the day, uh, people will adopt it if they see value in it. And it is for us as stakeholders to create value and therefore drive adoption, not the other way around. So I sort of still hold on to the view that you don't wait for global standards for innovation. Let me come to those, what I think are the key challenges for the air cargo industry. And uh, it is it starts with the with the data, the quality of the data that you have. It's like that they are just uh, inaccurate or just bad data that's, that's available. The quality of the data that you collect and there is so much of data that's collected. So therefore you need digitalization. And the second challenge is the mismatch in uh, uh, supply and demand or underutilized capacity. In the in in right now, it's about the the lack of capacity or the constraints yeah. on the capacity. Uh, therefore, you need uh, you need technology solution to optimize. And the third one is the inefficiencies in the in the cargo handling, and that's where you need uh, you need automation. So, how does IBS address some of these challenges, and how can you help or uh, advise your customers on these three challenges? Uh, Rajit, looks like you've read off the iCargo vision document <laughs> about, <laughs> about these challenges and how we need to. And I think uh, uh, the, I, I put it slightly differently. I mean, as for any business, anything that you do affects three things. Uh, are you able to sell more, improve your top line? Is it going to be more efficient, therefore improve your bottom line? And is what I'm doing uh, driving customer satisfaction NPS because end of the day, the business stands on these three pillars, uh, however you put it. And I think uh, the reason I don't, I didn't mention data there is because data is going to drive all three of them. Meaning it is not necessarily an independent position in itself. And, 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 the, and, and like what I say with standards, uh, it's, it's almost like, uh, would you wear a seatbelt because you will get fined by the police or because it's safer? It's, it's, uh, so therefore, uh, you, you don't uh, drive data quality because you have to have good data. You drive data quality because there are actions that will suffer because you don't have that. And, and what, we've driven, what we've done, Reggie, from, from, an, uh, from an IBS iCargo platform perspective is, is, is things like, um, one is on, from a top line perspective, we've, we've, we've tried to use data to drive, uh, to make intelligent decision-making boosting capability. Because earlier, uh, we've, we've sort of uh, shifted from what used to be a transaction system to a data-centric system. That's That's been a transformation that we've made over the last few years. And towards that, every transaction today is, is driven by data boosters, which will say, which will allow you to make the right decisions. The second thing that we talk about, uh, uh, Reggie, is also around saying, uh, can you make uh, decisions on somebody's behalf, which is where things like uh, AI and ML are coming in. So what we're trying to do is, is sort of make sure that data boosts on, uh, is boosting all of these three aspects, whether it is offering the right kind of inter in, uh, interfaces to customers or the experience to customers so that uh, customer satisfaction is there. 
uh, try and cut slack in processes through automated workflows, uh, interaction with uh, things like robotics, uh, which will cut uh, which will cut slack and therefore improve bottom line, and also make sure you're making the right decisions around pricing, around around capacity. All of this is going to be fueled by data. So that's how we sort of look at it. Uh, let's come to uh, the hot topic that seems to be the kind of uh, simple or representation of how air freight industry is uh, is digitalizing, which is basically making the capacity available on the digital marketplaces. And uh, I asked this question to you also because uh, you have very strong partnership with uh, digital freight, digital marketplaces like Cargo One, Cargo AI, Web Cargo, then of course the Pay Cargo, which is a which is a which is a payment solution provider on the on on the air freight side. Uh, how do you uh, realistically look at and uh, compare and contrast with the with the passenger side of uh, booking airline tickets uh, that happened two decades back? Uh, it's all about talking about the dynamism of the of the freight freights which are live. How do you look at this scenario and how optimistic are you about the digital marketplace where the capacity is made available and the demand comes to buy in the buy in the supply? Really great question because I think fundamentally my belief is that price as such is a is naturally and inherently a function of a number of things. So price is not is never a constant whether it is in air freight passenger or whether you go to buy a television. And so therefore it is it is it is a function of a number of things and therefore the right of fair price is always market assessed. Now while I say that it is easier said than done. Uh, recently a colleague of mine published uh, 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 an article on this and there was a lot of uh, debate in my inbox from a number of players around saying how do you, the question is, they all agree that this is the way to go. Everybody is, is discussing on how do you go there? How much do you go, go, go by? And because I, I don't think you should end up treating it like the stock market where, uh, where, pri where prices move every second, you dump, you, you get, because that's not how a, a, a commodity business can move. So therefore, absolutely, this is the way it has to go. Meaning uh, prices have to be market driven because otherwise, I think both the customer and the and the supplier are worried that they've lost lost out. I mean, uh, have I have I overpaid or underpaid? Is is something is a feel that everybody has after a transaction. So I think it has to be market driven, and these things of of putting it out is the right way to go. How you implement that is something that we've also been working with our customers on. Saying uh, you like what you would do with products, pull out a certain segment. Uh, don't do this for your entire capacity. Uh, and then you open it up for a certain segment and see how it performs. And so that you know, you are also, at the end of the day, responsible for your next quarter's business, your, your following quarter's business. You can't play a stock market game with prices completely being market driven. So therefore, I think there's an evolution that has to take place. Uh, you will have to have pieces which you will put out to something like this, certain pieces which will be business decision to give you predictability for your business. So I think it will be a combination of all of this that will that'll end, uh, end up being the pricing structure of the future. Okay, let me ask you a question on uh, one of the important uh, engagement that you have uh, and your customer was American Airlines, the biggest airline of the, of the world. Uh, uh, you dealt with the cargo division of the airline. Uh, it took us such a long time for you to have the entire transformation. Your customer is quite happy with it. Uh, tell us uh, how you did and what you did. 
Well, Raji, I think uh, uh, not just American, because I think this has been our template with a lot of customers. And the core to that is that unlike a, a typical off-the-shelf product company, product business, our, our engagement is not that here's the product implement, we'll see you in a decade. I think what we what we actually sell to our customers is a partnership, the center of which is iCal, where I think uh, where we then go and or we are, we are always continuously engaged with the customer to make sure they're using the product right. Uh, like, uh, for instance, uh, Rajiv, we run it in, on, uh, let's say, on three fronts. One is we've, we've seen uh, how the world has uh, world was before us. Uh, because I think most of these companies had 30-year-old systems, uh, 90, 100 different systems. This happened because technologies at that uh, time were not malleable, and therefore to do something, you start to put stuff around it. And the more stuff you put around it, you don't know if you pull out a wire, if the entire thing will come off. So you put another stuff on top of it, and it becomes a Frankenstein. So, so that's been the problem, really, that a lot of these uh, uh, companies have had. So what we've done, one is... Uh, our product architecture and capability, we make sure that it should be able to run, if required, an entire cargo business with minus A and HR system. So everything that a business requires should be supplied by the platform, but also be sociable, meaning it should be able to sit into an environment and still engage with other, other platforms and systems. Second, as I said, our customer engagement model, where we, where we always have teams within these customer sites where, uh, where, for instance, with Lufthansa, we've had we've had a team for the last ten years sitting there. We've had with American, we have teams, so they actually become part of the American team as well, and therefore help guide and ensure that the journey is taken care of through and through. And we, and, our, and thirdly, is, is our investment in future proofing. We don't want to be the next legacy, and and we sort of learn from history and say that uh, what is it that we have to keep continuously investing so that we don't become uh, the target for the next uh, big transformation like this. So this is sort of how we engage our customers and, 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 and sort of enjoy doing that as well. Ashok, my last question is uh, how optimistic are you about the digital transformation of the global air cargo industry and uh, what does it look like uh, 2021 and 2022 for uh, IBS iCargo? I think somebody would assume two decades in this space would have made me a skeptic, but it's really the other way around. I haven't been as optimistic about, about this industry and digitization of this industry uh, uh, as much as I've been today. And this is not just about the pandemic period. I think the last two, three years have seen a big shift that is there, accelerated by the pandemic. And, and I think I see th sort of three big macro shifts that are there. One is that uh, digital is now on the top of, say, say if you go to a, a head of cargo and look at the top 10 projects that they're running, in the past, you would see build a warehouse, the, have these many aircrafts that are there, change your GSA, all of these things. Today, if you look at the top 10, you will at least find four digital pro projects in that. And that is a big shift where, where now you know that digital is core to business strategy. Secondly, you, you also measure how, how, how much this is shifting by seeing how many external players are coming in. Ten years ago, we had, say, the three, four only digital tech players in this industry. Today, there are a number of people who are shifting inside. And that, that is because people see potential. And I think that also gives me a lot of optimism that there is value coming in from outside. And most importantly, actually, being digital is now seen as cool. And therefore, it's, it's, a, it's a little by like aspirational value of buying an iPhone. 
And although it looks very soft, that's, that is a factor today that's driving a lot of digitization. And towards that, uh, Rajiv, I think we've also been, uh, we've also been gearing ourselves. Uh, this year, our investment into iCargo has been 2x we've done ever before. And, and I think that is, that is uh, also, in a sense, preparing ourselves for this. And we've engaged with at least 15 different prospects in different places. So we are uh, very excited about what this industry is shaping up into, uh, what our own readiness is, and how our customers and partners are also responding. Uh, so I, I look forward to 2021, 2022, at least from, from our space, uh, with a lot of hope and optimism. Ashok, uh, thank you so much for talking to us. Uh, appreciate sharing your thoughts on the status of the air cargo industry's uh, appetite for digital transformation and uh, how they implement uh, technology solutions. Uh, thank you, Raji. Thank you so much. It was absolute pleasure to be with you. That was Ashok Gradin, Senior Vice President and Global Head of Cargo and Logistics Solutions at IBS Software. That's it from us at Stat Media Group. We bring Cargo Masterminds every Monday. Thanks for tuning in and come back on next Monday for a fresh episode. Have a nice day.